A to Z of Doctor Who by Ian Martin. Part 4. D. Dapol figures. In the world according to Dapol, 1980s Doctor Who toy producer, Sylvester McCoy is about a foot taller than Tom Baker. K9 is green. The TARDIS console has five sides. Davros has two arms. Bonnie Langford is almost seven feet tall. And the Tetraps are in some sense worthy of an action figure. Dark Doctor, Sylvester McCoy's. It's one thing to destroy Scaro, waltz arm in arm with death across the surface of the moon, or psychologically destroy your vulnerable female companion by telling her you think she's rubbish. But the Seventh Doctor went on to commit astonishing acts of cruelty in the name of being Time's champion in the Virgin New Adventure novels. He manipulated Ace's first lover, Yan, into dying to save the planet Heaven. He allowed whole star systems to boil away to space in the pit. And the seeds of this vengeful, godlike figure were sown early on, though, because let's not forget in his debut story, he, um, he tripped over his own trousers and played the spoons on the Rani's knockers. Dark times indeed. David Cameron. Susan Foreman stared silently across the tabletop at her husband, who was nonchalantly chewing a piece of toast. She looked at his jowls, his cold, ham-like face. She gazed out of the window at the ravaged, broken vista of a London shattered by terrible poverty, squalor and disease. The water was poisoned. There was no power, no electricity. People lived desperate, hand-to-mouth existences. Every simple meal a temporary forestalling of horrible death. She looked at the impassive face of the man she had married, the man she had left her grandfather for, David Cameron, a man who had pledged his strength to leading and uniting the British people. Susan saw only rubble and weeds and pain. "'You and your austerity measures,' she began. Cameron popped a quail's egg into his moist-lipped face. "'We're all in this together,' he lied. "'Have you seen my pig's head anywhere?' "'Death to the Daleks.' Centuries from now, humanity facing a mineral drought will have regressed to the point where we dress once more in awful brine nylon suits with iron sweaters, flared trousers and really terrible 70s hair in an effort to conserve the resources of our dying planet. We will send missions into the furthest reaches of space to seek out precious elements and resources, but missions made up of white middle-class British folk, because let's be honest, we'll still be the dominant economic and social class on Earth in 500 years' time, right? 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 In Death to the Daleks, a bunch of humans are stranded on some planet somewhere inhabited by chanting stone weirdos. But the Doctor arrives to go partying with a swimwear-clad young lady. When the TARDIS breaks down, the Doctor manually opens the door with a crank handle in possibly the least plausible revelation concerning TARDIS design of all time. And they hop outside to discover some Daleks who must be up really late and have possibly had a few drinks, too, because they just aren't able to shoot. To save humanity and bring death to the Daleks, the Doctor breaks into what looks like some weird alien toothpaste factory, while Sarah Jane gets tied up and sacrificed and stuff. I don't know. This was my first VHS, my first peek into the pre-JNT era of Doctor Who, and lo, it was a bit crap. Delta and the Bannermen. 
This simple three-parter from 1987's Season 24 is undergoing something of a reappraisal in fandom, being reconsidered now as a, a 2000 AD-like tale which perfectly encapsulated the new direction which script editor Andrew Cartmel envisioned for the show. Moving it on from the continuity-laden, self-referential hallmarks of the Eric Sayward era to a new, energised, quirky era of offbeat but thought-provoking, richly allegorical stories laced with razor-sharp left-wing social commentary. I say reappraisal because at the time of original transmission, everyone just dismissed the story as complete shit. Having not seen it since transmission, all I can write by way of review is what I can remember, which is this. Ken Dodd, Honeybees, Don Henderson on his knees, which, by a curious coincidence, is also a line from Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Diva Loca. If, like me, your inbox is full of spam from Bookings.com or TripAdvisor advocating the joys of visiting Diva Loca for a long weekend, do what I do, just delete them. The so-called lush, verdant forests look like a poorly-dressed corner of a television studio. The accommodation is a terrible cramped little grief box. The catering is woeful, and the bloke running the resort makes Basil Fawlty look like a serene Jeeves. Two caveats. The brunette Welsh lady at the camp is quite hot and generally up for fun with the guests when she's off duty. And the primitive locals are frankly hilarious. Dimensions in time. A curious fact about the 1993 10-minute Doctor Who skit, which was presented in 3D and features actors and locations from EastEnders, is that it's impossible to make jokes about. Even now. Even now. (laughs) Drathro. A regular winner of Best Monster in Doctor Who Ever competitions, Drathro was a giant robot who appeared in episodes 1-4 to of The Trial of a Time Lord. As with the Zygons, fandom grew increasingly bewildered that he'd only had one outing on the telly. And unlike the Zygons, he didn't even get to crop up in the Day of the Doctor. Go figure. Drathro was a mad, bad robot who liked black light, which is almost an oxymoron, such as dry water or sunny Britain. Living in a bunker near the immaculate remains of Marble Arch Underground Station on the burned remains of Earth, or Ravalox, as it's known in the future... Drathro's evil scheme was to harness black light to recharge his iPhone 6000, summon a space Uber, and naff off back to Andromeda with the secrets of the Time Lord Matrix, which he kept in an old petrol can. He was assisted in this scheme only by two blonde, clueless interns, but still he gave the Doctor a run for his money. Not for Drathro, the showy weaponry, such as Dalek death rays, or even deadly fangs or claws, talons or the like. Drathro's two evil powers were shouting and not being able to see anything because the design team hadn't given him any eyes. He eventually blew up and was totally destroyed at the climax of the story. But that doesn't stop anyone using Drathro in numerous examples of fan fiction, or even shipping him with the Austin ambassador Y-Reg, or even Joan Sims. If you like science fiction and you own a Kindle, or even uh, ideally an Apple device running the Kindle app, you can read my books now. Go to Amazon and type in Winterhill. That's me. Those are my books. Hold up. 